0: So we are doing parables here in October. Today's parable is called the Parable of the Sower. Sometimes also called the Parable of the Soils. Though Matthew actually gives it a title. Uh, it's called the Parable of the Sower. Which should say something about its importance, right? It's only two parables that get a title. That means in the early church they were using it enough that they gave a title to it. Okay, so that's important. It's also a very important. This may be the most important parable. It's the only parable that's really in, in the three Gospels uh, synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke with such significance. Okay, It also is one of only two parables that gets an explanation by Jesus. Although I'm going to show you that. I don't think Jesus explains the whole thing. And uh, it's, also, uh, it's also important because right in the middle of the parable, Jesus actually talks about the meaning and purpose of parables. And some, way, some ways, scholars call this the parable about parables. It's the parable that sort of teaches you how to read other parables. And so um, I think you can make an argument that in the Gospels, at least, and for the early church, it was one of the most important teachings of Jesus. Okay, so, so let's get into it. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you want to follow along in the Bible, uh, you can get on your phone. There's one in front of you. You can bring them if you want. Um, and we're gonna, I'm going to just kind of read sections, and we'll kind of walk right through the Bible. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him, So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. The whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow and he sowed. Some seed fell on the path. and The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose, it was scorched, since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we'll, we'll stop there. We'll pick back up. Um, Jesus is speaking to a very large crowd. And a lot of times we don't think about this. How does Jesus speak to a large crowd, sometimes thousands, without a microphone? No sound system, no FM transmitter. So what what he had to do is he had to use the terrain. So there's a spot on the north end of the Sea of Galilee called the Mount of Beatitudes that we think maybe Jesus did the the Sermon on the Mount there because it's this really natural sort of uh, uh, theater right and you, and you can hear stuff way down at the bottom of the hill and people could sit and hear it echoing up there's another there's another little cove that's traditionally held to be the cove of the sower and some of us saw it from the boat on the sea of galilee and it's it's this is natural theater and uh, along the on right kind of into the to the side of the sea of galilee and so what Jesus could do and we know he did this a couple times that's how he met peter on, was on peter's boat Okay, that he would push out into the sea and he would speak. And Jesus, we think of him as, as sort of timid and mild, but he had to have a pretty booming voice to speak to these big groups of people. And what he could do is he could speak from the boat and the, the, his voice would echo off of the water and then up into the crowd. And so a large group of people could hear him. And so he does this. And the text says he's, he's preaching a bunch of parables. The text doesn't give us all the parables. They give us mainly this main one. So Jesus is, is talking about a sower who goes out to seed and there's to sow seed, and there's these four soils. One is a path. Okay, it's where everybody walked. And the ground was so hard that the seed would just sit there on the top. It wouldn't even get into the soil. Before it could even find its way into the soil, the birds would come and they would eat the seed and there would be nothing. Then there was this soil that was that is called rocky. Now, when we think of rocky soil, we think gravel, but that's not what this is. In Israel, there's lots of places where there's a little bit of dirt, and then there's a lot of rock. Sometimes even limestone. Like, the whole thing will be a big piece of rock, and there's two inches of dirt on it. So what happens is the seed gets on this rocky soil, and it gets started. Like, the seed kind of gets in, and it sprouts really fast, because it doesn't have enough time for the roots to really go very far. But what's the problem? The problem is it's not getting down to anything that's wet. There's no water. Okay? it's got shallow roots, and when the sun beats down on it, it just withers is gone, okay? So, so we've got rocky soil, we've got rough path, and then we've got thorns. The thorns are good soil, how do we know that? The thorns are growing there, okay? This is good soil, the problem is something else is growing there too, okay? So when the seed starts to take root, it starts to grow, but it can't ever mature because something else is taking the nutrients that it needs from the soil, okay? So it grows, but it doesn't ever bear fruit, doesn't ever become what it could because something else is there taking up those nutrients. And then of course there's good soil. And the good soil the seed does what it's supposed to do. It goes down in, gets good deep roots, it slowly matures and then it produces fruit, produces grain, and lots of grain. Okay, this is not a, a lot of this is not really an absorbent amount of of increase, but it's a very very good increase. 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. So, for every seed of grain you planted, then you get 100 seeds off of the grain that comes out of that. That's good. Because you'd have to keep some back to plant for next year. So it means that you're going to have a really good produce this year. You can sell a lot of your grain. You can try to count on a lot of it growing for next year. And Jesus ends the parable with these words, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But the disciples seem to hear. But they don't understand. Okay, And uh, and, uh, maybe we don't either. So, so when, they, when they get privately with Jesus, and maybe he takes a break. I can't imagine Jesus just teaches all day, right? He takes a break. Like we're going to take a bio break, everybody. I'm going to be back in 10. Uh, and so he, or he, we stop him for lunch, and then we're going to continue the teaching. So maybe he comes over to the beach, and the disciples kind of ask him. So he, here's, we're, we're picking up the text in, uh, in verse 10. When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they, and this is quoting from Isaiah, they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So they 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 pull him aside and they ask him. And I, I don't know if they're asking him to explain the parable, or if they're asking him, like, why do you keep teaching him parables? Because the way he answers... Seems to be like this is the purpose of parables. He's going to explain the purpose of the parables. So Jesus gives them a reason, but the, the thing is, the reason is about as enigmatic as the parables. Like, is what's it, Why? Did, why are you teaching? Well, the the uh, the explanation is seems a little confusing. They have been given the secret of the kingdom. That's a big theme in math in Mark that they have the secret of the kingdom. But but he quotes Isaiah six about those who see but don't perceive, and hear who don't understand. Because if they did understand, they would turn and be forgiven. But that's odd. Don't you want them to turn and be forgiven? Right? So is Jesus saying that the parables are simple and easy to understand, so everybody should get them? Or is Jesus saying the parables are kind of hard, and so you have to work at them, and only certain people are going to get them? And I think the answer, in typical Jesus fashion, is yes. It's kind of like both. Like, they're simple, they're simple, like they're just everyday things. You can kind of get them. But they're deep spiritual meaning you've got to work at. Okay, It's like a really, really well-wrapped present. You've got to really work to unwrap it, to unpack it. But then when you get in there, there's gifts inside. I might say it this way. The parables are deceptively simple. They teach with everyday things, with deep spiritual truths. But underneath of them, there's this very rich and complex uh, stuff that's going on that you sort of have to unpack. And you almost have to like chew on them. You almost have to like marinate them. Like a real good parable, these, these parables, I hope they haunt you. I hope Tuesday night you're sitting in your, you're, and you're sitting in your house and you're thinking, so what was all that soils about again? Right? They, they kind of stick with you. You have to sort of chew on them. I think that's what Jesus is saying. So he's saying, I'm going to start teaching you parables. And for you, I'm going to have to, I'm going to explain it a little bit deeper. But for the crowds, they have to work on it. They're going to have to chew on it a little bit. So Jesus throws them a bone, throws us a bone, and he starts to explain this parable. And again, I'm going to show you. I don't think he explains the whole thing, but we'll get there. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parable? The sower sows the word. And these these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. When, then, tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, the sower is sowing the word. Now, as soon as we say word, we typically insert the word Bible. Okay? But, but when Jesus says word, the Bible, Bible isn't the Bible yet. Okay? When the Bible says word, it doesn't actually mean Bible. Okay, the, the Bible actually uses the word, this is probably a sermon in and of itself that I'll have to do sometime, but this a theme of the word is a big deal. The word of the Lord comes to the prophets. Okay, the word of the Lord is when God wants to speak. When God wants to speak, when God wants to do something. Remember in the Old Testament, the word of the Lord created the world. Jesus said or God said that "Let there great light, and there was light. So the word is what happens when God wants to speak, or God wants to do something in the world. It's the voice of God and the action of God in the world, right? So John picks up on this in John 1, and what does he say? And the Word became flesh. Okay, so this idea that God speaks and that God works in the Old Testament, now in Jesus, oh yeah, God's really speaking and God's really working. Here He is. And then, of course, the Word does become text. Text. Okay, and so there is a special way in which God's speaking and God's working in our life and in our world does come through Scripture. So yes, we call Scripture the Word of God. But it's, 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 that's not the only Word of God. Okay? That is the authoritative Word of God. It's what we go to check on all the other words of God. Okay? Because if God gives a Word to you, and it's contrary to Scripture, then we're going to have to question your Word. Okay? Because we've got God's Word as an authority. So when Jesus says the, the sower is sowing the word, he's not giving out Bibles. It's not the first Gideon here. Okay? What he's doing is, he's saying that somebody is giving God's word out. He's speaking. He's giving God's actions out in this world. And that soil, that, that comes to different soils. And, and the, the, clear, the clear implication of the text is that how do you receive the seed? It's through hearing. Okay, Mark uses the term hearing 13 times in this chapter. Jesus starts the parable by saying what? Listen. And he ends the parable by saying what? He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, so Jesus clearly, he's clearly bookended this parable with listening and hearing. Okay, and when he explains the parable, it's about people who hear. So God speaks. God is at work in your life. The question is, what kind of soil? How are you receiving? How are you hearing? Some people hear the words. but They have hard hearts and they have hard minds. And so it doesn't get in and gets picked off really quickly. Satan can easily move this because it didn't go anywhere. It didn't find any roots. Satan swoops in like a bird, takes a seat. Some people receive the word with joy, but it's shallow. They never let the roots develop. They have hardness, but maybe it's a little deeper. Right? And so so they they, they can they get some growth. They start coming to church, they get excited. But then when something bad happens, there's no roots, there's no depth. When the sun starts scorching, they wither, their faith goes away because it was never that deep in the first place. Some people let other things choke out like those thorns. Right? So I let God's word in and I hear God's word, but I also have other words. Okay? I also have my excitement for this world, my desire for riches, my desire to be popular or important. Okay? The love of this world gets in the way. And so, yeah, I've got the word, but it's not growing. It's not producing fruit. It's not going to maturity. Why? Because I'm letting other things take the nutrients. right? I'm letting other things be rooted in my life. And so I've, I've got these other things that are choking out what God wants to say in me and God wants to do in me. So it's there, but it's not there very much. It never becomes what it can be. Does everybody see the richness of this? Because we've all seen people, and we've all been in these soils. Okay? We've all seen people for whom God's word has never got anywhere. And you, we can look at them, and we can say, man, God spoke to you here, and God spoke to you here, and man, are you hard headed? Because, because you never let it in. And we all know there's people that, that got some God's word in them, and got excited but never it did it have the depth. So when something bad happened, when they got a bad doctor's diagnosis, when they got through a tragedy, whenever life got really bad, it was like, well, gone. Their faith withered almost immediately when the sun started beating down. And we, we all know those people who, have, who, who could do so much more for Jesus, and yet they have all these other things in their lives that they let be as important or more important. And so they have a little faith, But it's never really been what it could be because of all these other things in the way. And rare anymore is the person that's really good soil where God's word really gets into them and God is speaking and God is moving through them and they're producing fruit because they're listening to that word. They're letting it take deep roots. It's solid and it's growing and it's producing. You can see the depth of the parable now, right? And and I think this parable has been interesting for me to study again. I preached this a long time ago and I've come back to it. Um, It's interesting, though, to read this in the church in a pandemic. Right. Because here's what I feel like. I feel like this last year has been pretty rocky and pretty thorny and pretty bird infested. Right. And I, I feel like actually here's what the pandemic did for a lot of Christians. It exposed their roots. It exposed how deep the Word of God was actually in them. And for a lot of people, it wasn't very much. And so, as soon as the sun came up, it withered. Okay? As soon as it got hard, it got picked off. As soon as I had very limited nutrients, these other things that I had in my life that shouldn't have been as important as my faith became way more important, and my faith fell to the side. And part of what we're all trying to figure out as a, as a church, as Christians, in this new world that we're living in is kind of what do we need to do to build our roots back up? How do we find our rhythms of faith again? So you can see, simple parable, a lot of depth, right? So that's what Jesus explains. I think there's a lot we can be thinking about and unpacking there. But is that all. Well, I want to remind you, what does Matthew call this? The parable of the, the sower. We call it the parable of the soils a lot, and we just talked a lot about the soils, but let's think about this sower for a minute. What a terrible sower! Well, let's just think this through, okay? What a, this sower is absolutely an idiot. If you have good soil, where should you put the, soil, the seed? In the good soil. Let me retell you the parable. Okay, hear this with new eyes. And let's see if you can think of this parable a little differently. I think this is how they would have heard it in the first century. They weren't thinking about soils. Ready? A woman went out to plant her garden. In the back of her garden was good soil of last year's garden that her son had come and tilled for her. But on the way, she stopped and planted some tomato seeds on the sidewalk leading from her back door. <laughs> Tomatoes can't grow on sidewalks, so the seed just sat there until the chipmunks and the birds ate the seed. Okay? Uh, in Israel, they don't have chipmunks. If Jesus was in Pennsylvania, he would have said chipmunks, not birds. Okay? That was my retelling. Then she saw an area on the side of her yard. When she moved into the house, she had tried to plant a garden there, but below the soil was a ton of dirt. She couldn't dig it up. But she thought, I'll try it anyway. So she planted some zucchini in the rocky part of the yard. But it didn't grow very deep. And so when the sun came out in the middle of July, all those plants grew up. She never got zucchinis. She tried to plant some pumpkins in among her rose bushes. She never got any pumpkins. They sort of grow, but they would get some some branches. But of course, the rose bushes were taking all the nutrients, so she got not very good roses. She got no pumpkins. Then she finally got back to her garden that was already tilled with soil. She planted there, and behold, it actually grew. She got a good plant, she got a good garden, and it actually grew a good garden for that year. See, I think the people that were hearing this story would have been amazed at this sower, either incompetent or an absolute idiot. Who plants on the sidewalk? I can tell you what's going to happen there. Okay, what a waste of effort. What a waste of seed. You could have had all your seed in the good soil and got good returns on all your seed. What a waste. Maybe the rocky soil fooled you, but the sidewalk was pretty obvious. This sower's getting fired. Everybody's everybody hearing this, right? This sower's getting fired. This is a terrible sower. What, what a waste of, of effort. What a re- terrible return on your investment. But if you think about it, there's actually a lot of Jesus' parables that are like this. Okay? There's a woman, tears apart her house to find a coin. I guarantee you, I can take the cushions off my couch, I can find 20 coins right now. Okay? I get in my car, I find a bunch of coins right now. Tear apart your house to find one coin. How about a person leaves 99 sheep to find one? Oh, it's such a beautiful story, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know when you come back from getting that one sheep, how many sheep are going to be left? Okay, you're going to go get one sheep. You leave the 99. You're going to come back and add the sheep to the 89 because 10 more have wandered off or gotten stolen by wolves. Okay, doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. Think, think about uh, more of Jesus' teaching. Blessed are the poor, the meek. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. The last will be first, the first will be last. Jesus, I don't know if you know this. I hope somebody raised their hand at this point. Said, Jesus, I don't know if you know this. By very definition, the last are last and the first are first. You can't just say the last are first, the first are last. It's the opposite of what they actually are. For Jesus, five loaves, two fish can feed thousands of people. We need him on the kitchen committee. <laughs> right? Even the very life of Jesus. God born in the manger. God filling his diaper in a manger. God becoming flesh. God dying on a cross. What sense does this make? What economic sense? Do, well, What you start to find out is the economy of the kind of kingdom that Jesus is talking about is in our kingdom. Because you know what the the, the the business people in the room are already thinking, right? We got to put all the soil. We got to put the seeds where the good soil is. We got to re- we we invest where we get our return on investment. No, not in Jesus' economy. Jesus doesn't always do what makes sense. In fact, most of the time, he does what doesn't make sense by our standards. The math doesn't compute. The economics are wrong. But that is the very love of Jesus. Sowing where it doesn't make sense. Loving those who are unlovable. Dying for those who will deny and betray Him. There's nowhere that the Word of God will not go to try to find roots. That is the amazing grace of Jesus. That is a hugely important part of the parable. Because we can read it on different levels, right? On one hand, we're, we're, we're reading it about as a parable about parables. And we're seeing how the parables work. On another level, we're reading it about the soils. And the question for that level is okay, what kind of soil are where is God speaking to you? What's God trying to do in your life? What is the word of God at work in your life? And are you hearing that, receiving that, responding to that? Is it bearing fruit? See, if it's not, there's something wrong with the soil. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Everybody got that? Something wrong with the soil. So we need to address what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And then on this other level, this is a parable about God's amazing grace and love that doesn't care about the return on investment cares about what God wants to do with it. We're working in God's economy, and so the economy is different. And so we love and So it's so easy for us as a church, as people, to look at where's the best return on investment for my time? And then to say, well, these people are these not a good return investment. Right? This part of my life... Well, maybe those little parts of your life that you think aren't important, in God's hands are very important. And those things you think are really important things to do, They're actually not that important to do, but the kingdom might be working in the little things, not in the big things, and the bad soils that you think are bad, but God actually knows, are deep down good soils. So, I find myself having trouble ending this sermon because I don't know what God's speaking. I don't know what God. I don't know where God is speaking to you on what level, but I'm hoping somewhere in here is a word of God for you. And I can't, as your pastor, tell you what that is. Here's what I will tell you, the lesson of the parable. That I hope you hear it. I hope you let it in. I hope it takes root in your life. And I hope it grows and produces fruit in your life for you and beyond. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.